Hello and welcome to another episode of the CBO Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Donna Sheely. I'm so glad you're with us today. Today, we are speaking with Noelle Sloan, Senior Vice President of Administration and Finance and Chief Financial Officer at Texas Tech University. Hello, Noelle. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Donna. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, I'm so glad that you're with us today. So let's just dive on into the conversation. Let's start off with with, uh, telling us how long you've been at Texas Tech. Yes, I've been here at Texas Tech University for 18 years. And 10 years in the role as chief financial officer now. That is pretty amazing. Congratulations on that for the longevity and being there for so long. What made you choose Texas Tech University? So it's more a winding career path and maybe Texas Tech chose me. Um, But I think I have more of a non-traditional career path, really. Um, Like many, I got an accounting degree. However, I went on to law school then. And I did practice law for a number of years uh, before my husband's job actually brought us to Lubbock. Throughout my time practicing um, as an attorney, I also taught as an adjunct instructor. And so when we landed here in Lubbock, I started as an adjunct instructor, and that was my start here at Texas Tech. Well, let's go back a little bit. You kind of gave us a little touch of how you kind of got to Texas Tech, but let's let's go all the way back and just talk a little bit more in depth about your journey that led you to where you are now. Again, I went right from undergraduate to law school, and from there, I really thought that I wanted to practice law. It was more focused in tax and estate planning type law, legal practice. But of course, my first job was at a small law firm, kind of doing a little bit of everything. And from there, I decided that that's not really what I wanted. It's not what I enjoyed as far as such a broad scope of topics. So I actually went from there to a public accounting firm and got to focus more. From there, I went to a large law firm. And again, as I mentioned, my husband's job brought us to Lubbock. And really, the way I I kind of, in hindsight, look at that career path is that as an attorney, whether it was a small firm or a large firm, It was very individual, kind of siloed type of work. And the work I did in public accounting, to some extent, but certainly in higher ed, is so much team-based and knowledge sharing and continuing to learn. And that's really where I thrived and enjoyed. So that's how my career really built through higher education is those learning opportunities. That's pretty awesome. So I was going to ask how you felt that being in law connected with what you're doing now. So you're saying that the difference is that back then it was more of a, you know, siloed approach and now you're doing more. So what are some skills that transferred over to what you're doing now? Certainly, I think there is still related work. 
My background was in tax and contracts. And I certainly have that within the scope of my portfolio here, in addition to so many other things. So there were some things that transferred over. But beyond that, I think that if you look at what I really enjoyed doing is throughout my career, I looked at opportunities to serve as an adjunct instructor at a local college teaching a night course, or I always had some piece of education that was part of what I was doing and having the opportunity to move to higher ed where I could really learn more, continue to learn, knowledge share, build teams and collaborations. I think that's where I found I really enjoyed my job. I hear some delight in your voice when you speak of working as a professor and working with the students. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yes, certainly. I I hope that what I do today is still impactful and serving the students. You know, unfortunately, once you get to the role I'm in right now, I don't have the bandwidth to still be an instructor as well. And I guess that's that's kind of the surprising thing. You know, as I mentioned, I've been at Texas Tech for 18 years. I've had a number of different positions leading into this role, but you never expect what the breadth of the role is. And I think you you might hear that from a lot of chief business officers, chief financial officers today. It's not just finance anymore. It's that breadth and scope of how impactful we can be to really higher education and all the initiatives that are going on. So being there for 18 years, can you just recall your positions, what you did when you first started and kind of the transitions you made that led you up to being the senior vice president of administration? Because that sounds really good that they did a lot of succession planning and promoting within. So talk to us about that. The interesting thing that was the opportunity for me is, again, my background in tax It was at a period of time that Texas Tech University did not have a separate tax office. It was a little bit handled within other areas, and they came to the decision to create a tax office. And so that's the first full-time on the administrative side position I applied for. And I really was able to build the tax office from scratch because it had never been here before. Doing that helped me interact with a lot of different areas across campus, right? When you talk about even your adjunct instructors and how that's treated as an employee or an independent contractor. So I had the engagement on the academic side. It certainly helped me engage with all of our procurement, our payroll, our audit services. So it was an office where I got to meet a lot of different people, and not only within the university, but also more broadly, our system office and our component institutions as this was developing. So in that role and those networks you make and people you meet, that's what really led to more opportunities. Truly, those opportunities came about through mentors, people that engaged with, 
that were a sounding board for me and then brought me in on new projects, things that were outside the scope of tax that related to more of the accounting or more of the student business services and saw me as somebody that they could present those opportunities to, to fill in or assist or bring a different perspective on a project. And so it's really through those opportunities that led to a different role through broader roles in accounting and those types of things that led to then again, really mentors and people that I worked closely with encouraging me to continue to to put my name out there and, and continue on this path to CFO. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the mentors that you had in your life. And uh, was it one main mentor? Did you, It sounds like you had several uh, throughout your tenure. So talk to me more about the mentorship and then pivot and let's talk about how you are uh, mentoring others uh, the same way. So you're correct. There's wasn't just one. I've had several great mentors throughout my career or even currently. <laughs> it's good to have those, you know, sometimes you think a mentor has to be somebody specific who's, you know, your one person. But I think it's even those relationships with your peers more broadly those people that can be a sounding board for you, um, certainly cross-sectional lines of not just within the finance area, but within the academic area. And so you can get engagement on different projects and learn new things. And really, I was being open to the opportunities to serve on different things. There's one in particular that resonates with me. And that is because it was at one time the system chief financial officer here at Texas Tech University system. And in our conversations, he made a statement of the number of individuals that he has mentored through the years that became CFOs at institutions. And what resonates is the pride in which he shared that and that he took so much pride in the success of others that that's what stuck with me of that, you know, I hope I'm providing those same opportunities to others and, and, and having that pride in others succeeding. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. I really like that. So what do you think is the, it's probably not one, but why do you feel you've remained in higher ed this long? One, I love the job. I mean, that just, <laughs> it's just so much fun because no two days are ever alike. It's the continuous learning process that I learn new things all the time. 18 years of here and I can still be challenged. I can still learn from others. I can still hopefully share my knowledge and perspective with others. And it becomes such a enjoyment of, of personal growth in areas. You know, one example for me is I had an interest 
and went to the president and said, hey, I'm kind of interested in learning more about real estate development. It's something I'd like to be involved in. It's that great. Let's do it. And it's those opportunities. And so now I'm doing a lot more on real estate development. I'm looking at how we can broaden our campus engagement and again, bring it back to students. So one example is that we recently entered into a partnership with our local independent school district. And they built an agri-stem complex on our land that's adjacent to our campus here. And so now through the independent school district, they're offering the high school students the chance to see high-level research that's being done by Texas Tech students, by our professors. There's the collaborative engagement between our students and high school students, our professors and that. And it really, to me, helps broaden for high school students, even knowing what career opportunities are out there in agricultural programs. Certainly, if I look back at myself, when I first started college, I didn't know about so many career opportunities that are out there. So how can we help that engagement? No, that's excellent. That is excellent. Well, while we're speaking on that, let's talk, let's let everyone know, Noel, everything that is under your portfolio there at um, Texas Tech University. Within the administration and finance umbrella, we have 1,100 full-time employees. We have several part-time employees. We are the largest employer of our student employees mainly in our auxiliaries because we are self-operated in that area. So yes, the portfolio of administration and finance, we have all of our auxiliary enterprises. For reference, those are your housing, hospitality, student union, recreational sports. We have some relationships with the bookstore and our student health clinic, those types of, of entities as well. Also within administration and finance is safety and security, emergency management, police department, fire marshal. Then we have the operations division, everything from custodial grounds, construction, maintenance, energy, utilities, and then the traditional portfolio of our financial areas of accounting, budget, payroll and tax, procurement, data governance, all of that that may have been historically the more traditional uh, CFO portfolio. I'm always amazed at all the things that you all cover and that's under your umbrella. It's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. So of all those things, and I know everything's important, but where are you finding that you're spending a little bit more time and what area do you think that is at this time of the, I guess we could say of the school year or this time of the semester, where do you think you spend a lot of your time? There is no time that is a slow time. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure. <laughs> I don't know that there is a specific, this one's important now, or this one's really busy now, and then this one's really busy 
in in the winter months and this one's busy in early spring because right now it it um from my perspective it's really about issue management right because we could be wrapping up our annual financial report and that's what i think i'm going to focus on but a water main line breaks now that's my focus right right yeah <laughs> so it goes the gamut but if I could, one thing that I try to, at least it's my mentality, I hope that I convey it through my team. I love Disney. So that's the perspective that I try to build through the team is when you go to Disney World, most magical place on earth. I want when people come to our campus that they have the best experience that day when they're coming to our campus. Whether that's our students, faculty, and staff that come here every day, or it's the alumni, the community member, the the parent coming on the tour for the first time seeing our campus. I want their day to be special. I want them to feel the Red Raider family and what Texas Tech is all about. So if administration and finance, if our teams are doing our job, you don't know that the water main line broke, right? We're handling all of that behind the scenes. Um, and so Texas Tech, you know, we say from here, it's possible. And our administration team says, we make it possible. So we're doing everything beside, behind the scenes so that everybody else can can make that day special and do their their job or their tour or their experience. And in line with that, let's talk a little bit more about some workforce-related challenges. Um, maybe you have some solutions that you've used to help address some po- some pressure points along the way. So what are some things that kind of pop in your mind as I say that, that you've used to help address um, some of those issues and challenges? So Texas Tech University, we've been very fortunate to continue to have undergraduate enrollment growth, graduate enrollment growth, research growth. And with all of that comes the increase in faculty and staff support. So it's not only the workforce side of it, when you when you say workforce challenges, because there are many, but when you first say that, I would say that the challenge is not only the people, but where you're going to put the people. And with that growth that we've had, uh, the growing campus has also had a lot of space pressures. So I think one of the things that we were already starting to address is how to build and renovate more open concept shared hoteling of offices, even before the pandemic hit, which really set us up very well for what then became our remote work policies, because we were already trying to address things from the space side. And and since we were dealing that, we, we were kind of lining up the steps unknowingly that we would move into the remote work policies um, that have become part of our campus culture as well. 
That's good. That's good. Because I know that was a challenging time for a lot of people, of course, and trying to figure out and to make that, that was that keyword to pivot. And so that you guys were already in that mode. So that I'm sure that was very helpful. So I know that you um, being a former professor, adjunct professor, that you are all about um, student performance and access. And so talk about some of the successes you've had related to student success and their well-being there at Texas Tech University. Certainly it isn't my success alone. The things that we accomplish in really what I think my team has done a great job of is maintaining those relationships with the academic side and with the provost office so that we can collaborate and come to the table on something. And so one example is if our, we do, our institution has a goal of increasing our graduation rates. We developed a summer task force to look at increasing graduation rates. And I use this as an example to show how much collaboration and how many different areas have to come to the table from faculty who are on that, giving our faculty perspective, our student registrar teams, our data governance teams, our provost office, and our administration and finance. But through those conversations, we were able to look at data and say, okay, there are these students that are finishing their third year and yet have more than 30 hours to complete to graduate by next May, right? If we want students to graduate in four years, what are those classes that they're lacking? And so we could use data to actually identify those top classes that students were missing. And then we could go to the faculty and say, okay, how can we engage with you to offer those for summer? And then we brought in our enrollment management, how can we offer additional scholarships for students that are in this population to take those classes? And we talked about in-person or or online. And then we brought in our housing department and we said, okay, how can we offer discounted housing over the summer to get more students? And that has had such an incredible effect of linking students with the classes they needed with either in-person or online to help them complete over the summer so they were on track to complete and graduate by the next May. And so it's been a very successful program for us, but it certainly is not something that from a finance perspective we could have done alone. Yeah, and talk a little bit more about collaboration. I'm I'm hearing that 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 is so essential. So if some new uh, CBO is listening, really speak on why you feel that is important to collaborate like that. And I had somebody really say this to me very early on when I became the CFO here, is they actually asked me the question. They said, do you think your most important relationship is upward to your president chancellor, downward to your team that you're building, or left, right to your sides? And let me just tell you, I answered wrong. (laughs) 
because they said one of the most important relationships you can build at this level is that left right to the side and those peers that are that you need to connect with to achieve whatever those initiatives are. So talk to us a little bit about the future, what you feel the future is for higher ed and uh, the direction that we're going. What do you see is on the horizon? That's a great question, right? Because it's so much in different venues. You hear higher ed positives, negatives. Negatives. Mm -hmm. Personally, I think change is inevitable. However, higher education will continue to change and evolve with those needs. So there's going to be continued change and yet a continued constant that higher education is going to be an important part of our future generations. One thing that might be relevant right now is a lot of conversations around artificial intelligence and how that may change different things in different areas. Not only how we teach and how we learn, but also how we work, what what artificial intelligence can automate. But if you think about it, it took the research and the knowledge sharing and the innovation that even got to that and fueled the development of those future changes. And that's where education is always going to play a role in those future changes. Most definitely, yes. And so someone, and you kind of touched on it just now, but if if we're talking to other um, CFOs and and you were having, let's say we're having a a talk with with new um, CBOs and we were talking about evolving and being prepared, what, what what are some key things you would say would be the best way for them to keep up as we move forward and to evolve? What are some key things that they would need to be doing? In all honesty, they should be involved with Nakubo, <laughs> right? There you go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Nakubo, the National Association of College and University Business Officers, our regional Sakubo, Southern Association of College and University Business Officers, our state, many states have our associations. Those are really where we discuss a lot of those ideas, whether from federal legislation, state legislation, or just what we're all experiencing. And it's through those conversations, I think that I'm a member of Sakubo. And you go back and you look at some of the minutes from our historical uh, things, you find some of the same topics that were talked about 30 years ago, we're still talking about today. Some of those things never change. And and it's, it's through those conversations of not only what's happening at your institutions and the networks you make, you connect with on within your own institution. But the networks and connections that I have made through those other associations are peers, colleagues, personal friends that you can call up anytime and say, hey, this just came up. I don't know anything about it. Have you ever run into this? Where can I find out more about this? Who can I talk to? As I said, one of the things that drew me and kept me in higher ed is nobody keeps that knowledge to themselves. 
they are so willing to help you know who who's to talk to and where to find more about that and and or hey i don't know but i'd love to continue that conversation with you and learn about it too so i think that's the greatest thing about higher ed awesome so what does the future look like for you noel what do you see for yourself as we move forward in the next few years i did mention real estate and how i've been doing more of that in my role. If I look to my right, right here, I have a 3D model of a real estate development that uh, we began those conversations um, many years ago. And if there's one thing I want to see to come to fruition, fruition is the completion of that vision and really seeing that through. Because again, I I see that development not only a growth for our campus community, but that continued engagement with our community in a, in a broader sense. So personally, I've got that on my radar and I want to see that through to completion. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We really appreciate you taking some time and, and sharing with us some really good nuggets. Donna, it's been fun. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you today. Awesome. And thank you all for joining us today for this episode of CBO Speaks. It's brought to you by the National Association of College and University Business Officers. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of research and tools at nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks wherever you get your podcasts and so that you can get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Noelle Sloan, Senior Vice President of Administration and Finance and Chief Financial Officer at Texas Tech University, I want to thank you for joining us on CBO Speaks. I'm Donna Sheely. Be well. CBO Speaks is a production of the National Association of College and University Business Officers. Audio engineered by Andy Nelson and True Story FM. Music by Michael Bean. Post-production support by Janelle Dempsey. And I'm your host, Donna Sheely. Thank you for listening. <laughs>